0: I'm not, uh, sure <laughs> got, <laughs> I'm not sure if Sportsbet's got I'm not sure if bet has got a market on how this episode's gonna go, but they're paying a dollar one that the answer's gonna be loose. This this is gonna be a real make or break for the people that listen to the long versions, I'm sure, because we've got a hard hitting question for all 32 franchises. And if we can get through it drama free, I will be genuinely shocked. But Smithy is a here alongside us. He was on time tonight, which we love. How are you, mate?
1: Always on time, and uh, if by your default or your you know your definition of something going wrong, BT not listening and playing PlayStation while we record, then uh, <laughs> sports bet have already paid out. <laughs> or his
0: laptop just shits itself and <laughs> lose him at some point. So you're under the pump tonight, Bubbles. How are you?
2: Yeah, good. Uh, Bad things coming through. So I've obviously had some tech difficulties. Daz has had some troubles on the bus today. So, Smithy, you'll be next.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Well, I think I'm ready to tell that story on the podcast. But let's just say I'm happily going to retire from public transport very quickly. Pressure Uh, makes
1: diamonds, boys.
0: Yeah, that's it. So how this is going to work is we've got uh, every franchise we've associated them. So, uh, Sorry, we've assigned them, I should say. Smithy's got 11. Bubbles has got 11. I've got 10 because I've got enough to do carrying the podcast and hosting. So I've got the one less franchise. We'll ask a question to the group. We will answer the question as short, sharp, and succinctly as we can, and we will move on. So there is going to be a good flow to the episode, but you'd want to stick around the whole way. This isn't one of those we'll stop after 15, 20 minutes. You're going to want to go through because this could go anywhere. So genuinely stick around. Uh, We're not doing these in any biased order, alphabetical. You can't get any more unbiased than that. One at a time, we kick things off with the Cardinals, which is you, Smithy.
1: Yeah, that's me. So my question for the Cardinals, uh, it is surrounding their quarterback. So it came out after the Kyler Murray extension that uh, the contract included a section requiring Kyler Murray to complete four hours of independent tape study during game weeks. That has since been removed, but public knowledge is it was there. So it's still relevant. Considering this had to be put into writing and he is now one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL, did the Cardinals overpay Kyler Murray? (laughs) Teed?
0: Oh, no, he's forgotten the structure already.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I've gone back to my non-listening ways. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. I I don't think it's – a guy like Kyler Murray, you're going to pay what you have to pay uh, to keep him. He's a quarterback, and there's only 32 jobs available for these kind of quarterbacks. You're not going to let him go – uh, obviously, the uh, stuff that's happened and, and you know that contract stuff isn't ideal, but um, you know, a player as talented as him, you just have to pay him what you like and, and everyone's going to laugh on the internet about how much he's making, but uh, you just have to pay him what he wants.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think the results will speak more than that bit of the contract, but I, if we could get in contact with the Cardinals, I'd love to know how they were going to police that. Like, did he have to do check-ins? Was someone have to watch him on Zoom while he was watching? Like, that's one of those things that you put in a negotiation to take out because it sounds ludicrous and they just kept it in there.
1: Yeah, I think um, they are all assigned their own individual iPad and the data from that iPad gets back back to the front office so they can track how much time each player is spending doing certain things. Um, So I think that's how they're going to police it. But yeah, definitely an odd one for me. I'm I'm a big Kyle Murray fan so I don't think they overpaid him but um if he comes out and underperforms this year the spotlight is going to be firmly on his back.
0: Mm. And he was the inaugural winner of the Worst Pick 6 award for last year so the Falcons first up so take it away mate.
2: Yeah, for the Falcons the question uh, I want to ask is does this team have the worst quarterback situation this season and also moving forward the three quarterbacks they've got on their roster at the moment, Marcus Mariota, Felipe Franks, and Desmond Ritter. Obviously, Marcus mariotas he's been around. He's a bit of a veteran. Um, he's probably going to start the season, but he's not a guy that's going to be there long-term, and um, I think they know that. He probably knows that uh, deep down. Felipe Franks is being used more of a, a tight end kind of um, like a Taysom Hill kind of guy, I think, at the moment. And then they've also got Desmond Ritter, who uh, is a third-round rookie, <laughs> And, um, you know, history tells us he's, he's not really going to have success with the Falcons. There's been 28 quarterbacks drafted in the third round since 2000. Um, in, the, in those 22 years, only three of those 28 players have become pro bowlers. Only one of those three has gone on to play for the pro bowl for the actual team that drafted him originally. That was Russell Wilson. So one out of the 28 players, that's 3.57%. Uh, and only five of those 28 players uh, went on to start 20 games at least for that franchise that drafted them. So um, as much as you kind of look around and think third-round draft picks might work every now and again, the stats show that they actually don't. And if Desmond Ritter is going to turn into you know any sort of successful player, it's probably going to be outside of Atlanta. So um, I'll just go back to the question. Uh, do you think there's a team out there that's – got a worse quarterback situation now and maybe in the future.
0: Uh, If you put those two concepts together, I say they have the worst Um, for this year. I mean, Mariota is a bridge quarterback and Atlanta know that I agree with you that considering how strong the quarterback room is in this draft, especially at the top end, if Atlanta go, let's say six and 11, they're probably going to end up with the seventh or eighth pick. And there mightn't be, the quarterback that they want sitting at that point. So yeah, the quarterback situation right now, Mariota, is he the worst quarterback in the league? I say no, but considering that they, they could go into the draft, miss out on one of the top QBs in this draft and then have to ride it out with Ritter. Yeah, I do worry for the next two years because we're probably not going to see Desmond in that time and we could see a top QB from this college class be really good before we see Ritter being good. So I honestly, I think they're in a hole. Spitty?
1: I say no. I'd take Atlanta's quarterback situation over Seattle's. Um, Marcus Mariota has shown that he can be a capable starting quarterback in the NFL. He took the Titans to the playoffs um, back when he was starting for Tennessee. We haven't seen that from either Geno Smith or Drew Locke in there careers um and Desmond Ritter has the upside and I guess the x factor the unknown that neither of those two guys have either so I think for the fact that Marcus Mariota has the highest floor of the four quarterbacks and Desmond Ritter has the highest potential I'd rather their situation over Seattle's
0: and but you'd probably flip them this time after the draft wouldn't you because Seattle are going to get a better QB you'd think coming out
1: of the draft you'd you'd think but that's mm. that that you know that's sort of the hypothetical um yeah. you know yeah, i'd it's... i'm looking at this year and look if if seattle can get a Bryce Young and or a CJ Stroud then yeah maybe it changes my mind but still rookie quarterbacks really struggle as we've seen apart from Justin Herbert so um you know i'd still prefer Atlanta over Seattle at the moment mm.
0: All right, beautiful. I like it. Uh, Let's go to the Ravens. Uh, That's me, your island team, Smithy, and we've all started with quarterbacks, so I'm going to do it as well. Is Lamar Jackson's MVP chances underrated? I I, I promise this is the only punting statistic that I'm going to use here, or gambling statistic if you like. He is the equal 11th favorite right now. Which to me is astounding. So I've got no problem with Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Mahomes, Rogers, Herbert. You'd expect that, maybe a Joe Burrow, but he's equal with Kyler, Jalen Hurts, and Derek Carr. And Dak is uh, has is cheaper to get the MVP than Lamar and Bubbles. I love you, but that's ludicrous. Is he officially in the dark horse candidacy? Because if the Ravens are going to be as good as I think they're going to be, he is going to be up there in the MVP race. So, is he being disrespected in this case?
1: Yeah, considering they're one of my Super Bowl picks, and yeah, that, that's crazy. Um I think if he stays healthy, and I know that's obviously a massive asterisk, but if he stays healthy, he is a way better quarterback than Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and Derek Carr. He's more dynamic. He's one. The man's won an MVP before, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's showed that he can do it, so that's crazy.
0: And no disrespect to Matthew Stafford, but if going on a Super Bowl run doesn't win you the MVP, are you really going to win the MVP the, the next year? Like, how often does that happen in the NFL? And he's paying six more bucks in this case. So a bit more Lamar love from me and Smithy. have about you, Bubbles?
2: Yeah, well, as Smithy said, he's done it before. He's already done it. He's got one up on those other guys he's roped around. Uh, it maybe it's a bit too much to ask coming into this year. Um, obviously, coming off an injury, and and they are lacking talent at wide receiver, I guess you could say. But um, yeah, a lot of his MVP performances came, or his MVP season. A lot of his performances was him rushing the ball, and and we all remember how remarkable that season was and how memorable it was. Um, and you know, everyone wanted to call him a running back, but. if all he's got to do is run the ball like that, we know that he can do that. Um, He's certainly going to put up the stats. It'd probably um, obviously going to depend on how everyone else goes, but maybe too much to ask in his first season back. Um, But yeah, at that kind of odds, it's it's just value. And Daz loves value. Mm, Gamble responsibly,
0: as we know. Let's go to the Bills. What a start Smithy's had, the Cardinals and then the Bills. But take it away, my friend.
1: Handy list mine is I, I really liked my my teams this year. But my Buffalo question is, with the departure of offensive coordinator Brian Dable, will we see a noticeable drop in Josh Allen's production this year? Teed?
2: Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think, um, you know, he's been in the league long enough to kind of work his way through a, a coaching change. And although the play play calling is going to be different and the, the scheme is going to be a little different. Um, I think he's a good enough quarterback now, what in his third or fourth season where he can kind of, um, you know, learn a new scheme, learn a new system um, while still being the same kind of dominant quarterback that he is. And I don't think we'll see um, a downgrade as such. Maybe we'll see some changes. Maybe it'll be a bit clunky at the start of the year, but um, I expect Josh Allen, this offense to just roll. Yeah,
0: I think in the first month, we're going to see a difference, not in his output per se, but in the Bills' offense as a whole, because you've got to gel, and especially because he's not going to play any preseason snaps, and nor should he. So by week four, we might be saying, oh, Josh Allen isn't his usual... Uh, Josh Allen, did I say John? No, Josh Allen is no, going to be his... I did? Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, He probably won't be his usual self, whether it's one, two, three, or it takes four games, but by the time we hit the Bills' bye then we're going to see probably the best QB in the league. So I don't think it's a noticeable downhill trend at all. And the, if the Bills aren't your favourites in the AFC, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, I don't think it'll be noticeable. I, th- I think there will be, like you said, a, a little bit of a, um, a teething period, but I, I do think he'll end up being one of the best QBs in the league on the teed.
2: With your Panthers,
1: Smithy. Oh,
2: Yeah, this will get Smithy excited, but uh, my question uh, isn't really about the Panthers, it's about me in general. Um, You know, am I crazy for for kind of liking this Panthers team? (laughs)
1: Um,
2: (laughs) You know, I really like the team uh, and it starts at the top. I love the addition of Baker Mayfield. Um, I was big on him last year. He's such a competitor. Um, He's the kind of guy you want at the quarterback position. He's um, a really good leader. I think, you know, it goes without saying, but if McCaffrey... Um, is healthy. That backfield's really good. Chubba Hubbard was really good last year when he filled in, um, and Deontay Foreman is a good addition too. And if they can get all three of them working, maybe um, you know lower McCaffrey's workload and get get all three kind of going. I think that's a, a good mix. Their receivers, DJ Moore, I really like. Um, young stud he is, and um, you know they're going to need more from Robbie Anderson and, and Terrace Marshall Jr. because what they did last year probably wasn't enough. And, and a lot of the receiving work came down to DJ Moore. But, um, you know, you get to their defense. They've got uh, playmakers all over that field, defensive line. They've got, you know, um, what's his face in the middle? Shaq Derek Thompson. No, <laughs> nah, nah, Shaq Thompson in the middle. you got Derek Brown on, on the edge with um, Brian Burns as well. They're going to be um, a nightmare to defend on that left side. Um, then you've also got Jeremy Chin in that uh, in the secondary with JC Horn, who we didn't really see enough of last year because he was injured. But I, I think this team's super talented um, and really being slept on, to be honest. I, I think um, you know a lot of people just assume they're going to be the fourth team in the NFC South, and I'm not going to come out and say they're going to make the playoffs so or they're, they're going to go on a, a great run. But I just think they're being slept on. I think um, they're a really underrated team, and I think you'll have a fun year this year, Smithy.
0: I, you're not crazy for liking them. I do agree with the term fun more than, like you said, I don't think they're going to go on an insane run. My big worry is you have a number one, a number three draft pick at quarterback, and we still don't really know who is the starter. I mean, it's going to be Baker. It should be Baker. It could be you, Smithy, But it's probably going to be Baker. But the fact that a number one draft pick is walking into a quarterback room with Sam Darnold, and we are, what, five weeks later, and it's he's probably going to start there. The words is a real worry. But I think Carolina is one of those teams that if we are doing like a team stock market, Smithy Wolf of Wall Street, Leonardo DiCaprio style, I think buying the Panthers would be a smart move. So no, Bubbles, you're not crazy for liking them. I'm just nowhere near in the realm of loving them yet because the guy who's throwing the football, whoever of those two it may be, I don't have a lot of faith in.
1: No, nah, I don't think he's crazy. I'm actually cautiously optimistic about a him. wild about a wild card <laughs> spot. To be honest, um, I just think the whole team around the quarterbacks is trending in the right direction. And if Baker Mayfield can get to that 2020 Browns form and sort of be an above average game manager, I think this could be a playoff team. In all honesty, I love our defense. I think CJ Henderson is the wild card for this team. As our third corner, he was a top 10 pick coming into his third season. If he can break out and show that potential that he showed at Florida, I think this could be one of the best cornerback rooms in the NFL. And um, with with the talent that we've got on the roster, I think this is going to be a really good team. So, yeah, I am ready to get hurt again, as the great Michael Scott once said.
0: (laughs) Our man's entire personality at this point is just the office quotes. It's extraordinary. Uh, I'll get to the the Bears. That's me. I'm looking forward to Smitty's answer to this question because it's about his man. What are we expecting? What's a pass mark for Justin Fields this year in terms of how he performs, how he gets the Bears offense to perform? Not the team necessarily because there's so many things that he can't control, but, What is the most realistic expectation of Justin Fields in 2022-23?
1: It's so hard to project Justin Fields' season because his front office has put him in arguably the worst position I've ever seen a front office put a second-year quarterback in. They are rolling him out with probably the worst offensive line in football. And their number two wide receiver on the depth chart at the moment is Tajay Sharp. And I can hear, I can hear the cries of who uh, coming from all of our fans, and that's exactly right. It, the offense lit- this year is literally Fields, Montgomery, and Mooney, and that's it. You know that they're going to have to rely on Justin, and we saw Justin Fields' potential in the preseason game against Kansas City, where he made some really good throws, but they the offensive line made everything so difficult for him that you can't expect a second-year guy to be able to make those plays throughout a 17-game season. I can see him having 3,200 yards passing, you know, 500 to 600 yards rushing, 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, you know, around that mark. I don't think it's going to be... An outstanding season, but it's all on the Chicago Bears front office at this stage.
0: I like it just before you answer, Bubbles. I want to know if I heard what I heard before correctly. Did you just turn your PlayStation on while <laughs> he was talking?
2: I did hear that. <laughs> okay, so that was hearable.
0: <laughs>
2: it, it was all, it was a little loud.
0: <laughs> A lot of respect given the Justin Fields there.
1: This man is grinding Madden 23 Ultimate Team solos while we're chatting.
0: <laughs> it's extraordinary. What What do you make of Justin Fields' season this year? Bubbles, what do you want to see and what do you think you'll see?
2: Yeah, look, I'm, I'm with Smithy. It, it's so hard to, to kind of think about what success looks like for Justin Fields this year just because of the way um, that team's been built around him and um, it looks like the Bears have, have kind of gone into this last offseason and, and tried to save up as much money as they can for next offseason, which really doesn't make any sense. Um, I I just don't like the situation they've put him in. And, and you know, he's got talent. He's not going to go out there and be the worst quarterback in the league, but he's certainly probably in the worst situation. Um, so you got to feel for him and and, you know, there's going to be Lots of people out there putting a lot of criticism on him um, because he's not going to stand out, I don't think. Um, he's he, he's going to improve on last year, but he, he's not going to stand out and be that guy. And then there's going to be questions about his performance in year two, I think, and and it just really isn't fair. Um, but, you know, hopefully we just see some improvement from him and, and he shows glimpses and, and, you know, can somehow steal a couple of games uh, that they probably have no right to win. And I think his rushing upside, Um, gives him the ability to do that. Imagine if it didn't work out for Baker
0: in Carolina and they make a play for him. Oh, boy. (laughs) Manifesting. Smidge Smidge just creamed, which is very disturbing. Call
1: call me a typical white girl on Instagram because I'm manifesting. (laughs) Imagine that quarterback room. Fields, Darnold
2: and Mayfield.
0: (laughs) Good grief! I get the feeling Donald's not going to be there anyway. Let's go to last year's runner-up in the Super Bowl, the Cincinnati Bengals, and that is Smithy.
1: Yeah, and as you mentioned, after making that Super Bowl run, a run even as such a young group, fans are divided whether it was a one-hit wonder or if this team is legit. So, will the Bengals be a playoff team this year? we've already sort of heard Teed's opinion on this with the hot takes episode. Uh, so we'll just quickly get his answer out of the way and then Daz, you can jump in.
2: Yeah, I'll be brief. I, um, I don't see this team making the playoffs and, and that is just purely because there's so many teams in the AFC this year that are, are going to be contending for a playoff spot. And, um, you know, as we've all kind of hinted, we like the Ravens in that division. Um, I don't know if you guys are actually taking them to win the division, but I think I will. um, but that leaves a wildcard spot, uh, or three or four of them. But there's just that many teams um, that I think I can trust a little more than they can the Bengals. Um, but I would love to be proven wrong. Uh,
0: sixth seed for mine, sixth or seventh. Um, I don't. I think the Ravens do win the division, so they obviously won't be um, a massive feature up the top end. But I don't see perhaps the depth. In the AFC that T does. Now of the teams that didn't make it last year, you've probably got Denver and the Chargers as the two standouts that have got to come in. So teams have have got to make way and I think the Steelers and the Raiders are going to be pretty good too. So yeah, okay, maybe it is a bit more clogged than I initially gave it credit for, but I don't think the Browns are going to do anything special regardless of how long Watson's out for because he needs time out plus time to get used to it. And by then I think the season will be over and there's going to be natural improvement in these guys. They're not going to be as good as they were last season, but I don't see a regression that keeps them out of playoff football.
1: My projections had them as the eight seed, just missing a wild card. So um, I was interested to see where you guys went. I think next up is our man teed.
0: Goodness me. He is. And he has got the Cleveland Browns. Oh boy.
2: Yeah, well, you touched on the. (laughs) No, I tried to steer clear of of any um, Deshaun Watson stuff here. But uh, the question for me is, is this season a write-off for the Browns? And I only ask that because they obviously do have that Deshaun Watson situation hanging over their head. Um, He is going to get suspended, whether it's six weeks, ten weeks, a whole season. I I tend to think it's going to be ten weeks or a whole season, uh, something like that. Um, But you've got Jacoby Brissett expected to start this season. You've got Joshua Dobbs and Josh Rosen backing him up. There's just no X factor um, in either of those guys. And outside of Amari Cooper, I think they're very weak at wide receiver. And I think that's something you can get away with when you've got Deshaun Watson at quarterback. You can't get away with it when you've got Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Um, They've got a bit of an issue with their offensive line. They uh, let their starting center from last year go. They had Nick Harris waiting in the wings, and he um, did his knee in the preseason this week, so he's going to be out all year. And, and although I think that offensive line is probably their strength and, and a way they're going to find a bunch of their wins this year, um, it, it's it, it is a bit of a weakness that center position. The AFC, um, as I as I keep saying, it is stacked in my opinion, and um, I just feel like. It, it is a bit of a write-off for the Browns and they don't even have their number one draft pick um, or their first round draft pick because they've traded that with Deshaun Watson as well. So apart from, you know, young players being developed this year, I, I don't see Cleveland really gaining anything from this year.
0: Well, I think it's up to them whether they want it to be a write-off or not. And what I mean by that before anyone goes, yeah, no fucking shit is – if Deshaun goes for anything longer than double-digit week, so more than half of the season, then I think they should trade for Jimmy G and go Jacoby can't be our starting QB because Deshaun's going to be there for a while. So they're not going to tank and draft the quarterback, I don't think. I think because Deshaun's got all this guaranteed money. So what are they going to do with that top draft pick? Uh, they do have other positional needs, of course, but if they're thinking to themselves, we've got the roster that we think we can contend, we're not going to have Deshaun for the majority of the season or if it is a full season. They can go and get a Jimmy G and get them through this year and then Jimmy G can become a, a quarterback for another team in the next year. Personally, I have no emotional investment in the Browns unless I draft you know, their skilled position players in. In fantasy, because of the Watson situation, so it's a write-off from me as an NFL fan. But I, I think if they want to be competitive this season, then they need to go get Jimmy G.
1: They, as Teed said, they they have absolutely no motivation to be bad this year because they don't own their first-round pick. So if they if they throw the towel in and go four and thirteen. They're just gifting the Houston Texans two top 10 picks. So they're they're going to do everything they can to be competitive. Whether they are going to be competitive is a completely different story, but I wouldn't consider it a write-off. I like it. All righty. Let's go to
0: Dazzling's got the Cowboys. Now, this is going to sound morbid, so work with me. But I said this on the show, and I want your boys' opinion, especially Teeds, because he's a Cowboys fan. But is the biggest thing that's holding the Cowboys back, instead of it being Mike McCarthy, is it Jerry Jones? I am a believer that the Cowboys organization is going to be better run, and this sounds terrible, when he either steps away or he drops off. Let's just put it out there.
2: (laughs) I don't think he's stepping away. So I
0: I think he, I think he is a bigger issue than the coaching hire, because I think under new ownership, they'll realize that they're good, but not good enough. And I think that's the worst thing you can be in professional sport because you can lull yourself into thinking you're better than you are. And you might end up being miles away. And that's kind of how I see the Cowboys considering they're in a weaker division. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Uh, I don't think Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy are, are two of the greatest coaches of all time, to be brutally honest. But yeah. at the same time, I don't think if they had better coaching, it would guarantee them success because we've seen them beat up a weak division over the last few years but not perform in the playoffs. So I think it does come back to roster construction and ownership. So, yeah, I, I think you're probably right.
2: Hey. Yeah, well, um, it, it has been an issue for a long time. Jerry Jones just sticking his nose in. Well, I mean, it is his business, so you can't uh, blame <laughs> him for doing it. But yeah. but it, it's just like you could just imagine the power you would feel if you did own a football team and, and you know the right thing to do is just to give that general manager spot to to a guy who actually um, knows what he's doing and who, who that job should go to. But, you know, I think they, they kind of put someone else's name there and he just does all the stuff behind the scenes. But... I think you're right. It is it, it isn't great for this team that um, the owner is essentially the GM and and you know you're just about the only one in the league. I think I can't think of another one off the top of my head. But um, it, it is an issue, and and the Cowboys are always going to have um, these players that are on the big bucks. Uh, Dak Prescott's on a big deal. I don't think you could knock that. As I said at the start of the show, you're going to pay your quarterbacks what they're worth and, and what they want, but. You've got players like Ezekiel Elliott on Bitcoin um, because Jerry Jones loves his guys and he loves his players and he's happy to keep them around. And, and I think um, he just kind of lacks that business kind of sense. I think he's more emotional and, and passionate, but um, you, know, you can't knock him for that. But in, in terms of business and performance wise, it, it is a hindrance to this team.
0: Yeah, my overriding point is because he probably doesn't have the time, not necessarily to fully tank and rebuild. I'm not suggesting strip away the organization, but I don't think there are enough non-playing people in the Cowboys organization that disagree with him because he doesn't have the, the time to put in a few good years to reestablish themselves as a, uh, as a top NFL team. So it sounds like I'm wishing death on the man. I'm really not. That's not what I'm doing, but... That's the observation that I've made. So let's move on before I get a a defamation case against me. You'll be on
2: the news tomorrow. Yeah,
0: bloody (laughs) hell. As Daz wishing Jerry would drop. No, goodness (laughs) me. Smithy, take it away with the Broncos before you fellas never see me again.
1: Yeah, so for the Broncos, I'm going to concentrate on the wide receiver duo. So Jerry, Judy, and Cortland Sutton have not been able to thrive together in the time together at Denver due to injury. Obviously, Sutton had the ACL in 2020 and Judy with the ankle injury in 2021. Without the other person there, so Jerry Judy in 2020, his rookie season, had 52 catches for 856 yards and three touchdowns. While last season without Judy there, Sutton had 58 catches for 776 yards and two touchdowns. So pretty similar stats, both very solid. If both stay healthy this year with Russ at QB, which receiver has the better season, Tid?
2: That's a good question, Smithy. I will um I'll take Cortland Sutton just because he's not coming off an injury or he, he wasn't injured last year. But, um he obviously has the or he played last year, so he's in <laughs> he's in better game condition, I guess you could say, and, and he's not going to be working his way back from an injury. And I think um, Judy's probably going to demand more double teams um, and probably more attention and we'll get the better defender out of the two. Um, and I think Cortland Sutton will benefit from that. And, you know, Russell Wilson is not the guy who's going to force um, the ball to either guy. He's just going to give it to whoever's open. And if um, they're paying extra attention to Judy, I think um, Cortland Sutton could have a big year.
0: I, I like it. Can I half sit on the fence and say they'll have extremely similar numbers. So pretty, pretty, pretty close to similar because I think TD cracked the code there and he said, whoever's going to be free. And I understand the logic between you're going to pick the guy who's not double team for sure. But in his rookie season, Judy was top 10 for um, passes under 10 yards, which is fine. Like you're less than 10 yards from your quarterback. You get the ball. I mean, I watched Tua do that for ages while he was getting comfortable. So I'm not knocking him at all and I'm not knocking Tua there either. But Cortland Sutton was a big, is a big deep threat as well. The PFF, I think, ranked him in their top 10 for uh, deep threats as well, given his route running. So considering they're going to, they're not the same type of wide receiver. I think Judy might get more yards and Sutton might get more touchdowns. And in the end, they'll probably have a, a pretty similar season. So if that, If that's me sitting on the fence, well, I'll get used to the splinters, but that's my answer.
1: That's the definition of sitting on the fence. I'm going to say Jerry Judy. I think he's significantly a better route runner than Cortland Sutton, and I think he is going to build the better chemistry with Russell Wilson, just considering Russell Wilson's age and and sort of game style. um, I think Jerry Judy is a prime breakout candidate, as I spoke about a few weeks ago, so I expect him to have a big season.
0: Thanks. some good depth there, even if Tim Patrick uh, did go down. So we wish him all the very best. Let's go to the Lions. No team has has had more money on them in the last two months to make the playoffs than the Lions of the teams that weren't already favoured to get there, if you can believe that. So speaking of teams that have slept on, might be the hard knocks effect, who knows. But Bubbles, take it away.
2: I think that certainly is the hard knocks effects because even I'm buying into the Lions a little bit after only seeing one episode. But um, yeah, I um, you know no one's expecting, or maybe people are expecting success out of the Lions if uh, they're taking bets on them to make the playoffs, but they haven't had a winning season since 2017 um, and they've had 17 wins in them last four seasons combined since then. So the question I've got for the Lions is what does success look for? Uh, look like for the Lions this season?
0: Ooh, that's a great question. That's a cracking question. Because I see... You, you, you
2: can't just... Sorry, Des, you Like, no, they um, they've had, you know, back-to-back years with three wins or something like that. And, um, you know, you can say you want the players to progress, but, um, you know, there's only so many years these fans can take of having, you know, less than five wins a season. Um, you know, something's got to mm. change and, and hopefully they've something will change with the new kind of coaching system starting from last year but yeah
0: well including their tie of course they had six games that were decided by five or less points if they split them and go three and three instead of uh six and one as in six losses and a draw then they get six or seven wins out of the season so if they can go six i'll go seven i think a really successful season would be seven and ten Uh, for the Lions and anything past that is a bonus. I think if you are a believer in the Lions and they go five and 12, I think you are going to be bitterly disappointed. So I think six would be about right and seven would be a pretty successful season. Smitty?
1: Yeah. My first instinct was they have to double their win tally from last year. And when Mm. Teed says that was three, then Mm. obviously six wins for the year, but they have to. That does add up. It does add up. You have the one thing that I say they have to do to deem this as, as a successful year is beat out Chicago in the division. They can't finish last in the NFC North this year. Mm. They have to beat out Chicago in order to have a successful year. That they're the two things I'd be looking for. Mm.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Okay, like what do you think, Bubbles?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's... Oh, that's handy. <laughs> well, moving on <laughs> the, uh, the Wimbo Packers. I'm the question after you two. All right.
0: Awesome. <laughs> uh, the Packers are up next. That's me. Now, I feel like I'm going to say this. You're going to think it's a silly question, but I really do want you to think about it. How much of Aaron Rodgers' legacy depends on him going deep in the playoffs because he doesn't have the roster of yesteryear I feel like if A-Rod wasn't the quarterback, we would forgive this roster for taking a step back. But considering the off-field drama that he's gone through pretty much since COVID hit, and yeah, he had more stuff behind that, but we can only focus on the recent. Do we start to think of him as anything different than what he is if he can't take this Green Bay team to a winning playoff game?
1: Nah, I honestly think his legacy is fairly set in stone now, to I be honest. Forget. Yeah, I th- I think no matter what happens for this year and really the rest of his career, he's still going to go down as one of the most skillful quarterbacks of all time. So um I, I still think they're going to be very good, the Packers, but um if they're not, I don't think it's going to affect the way people look at Aaron Rodgers.
2: I agree. Um yeah, I, I just think he's always probably going to have that thing lingering around um, that he lost three or four championship games in a row and, and you know, that's nothing you can do about that now. But, um, you know, I'll I'll probably, you know, I'll go out and say he's probably the best quarterback I've ever seen play. Um, and as far as his legacy goes with me, that's how I'm always going to remember him. Um, but, yeah, I, I think um, uh, it's not going to tarnish his legacy. It would be nice if he could go out, and get another win, and that would put it probably put him over the top, um, and, and probably wipe out the last couple of years of misery if he could go out and win one now. But, um, yeah, I don't think, um, if he can't win it this year, it's going to affect him too much. And if it gets
0: too difficult for him, if he takes enough psychedelics, he can hallucinate a playoff game. <laughs> uh, let's go to the Texan Smithy, almost your first, uh, well, not bad franchise, but your first non successful franchise so far.
1: Yeah, my first rebuilding team. Um, mm. That's and the with, way putting it. yeah, yeah, with what many are calling a stacked quarterback draft incoming and a likely top five pick, what does Davis Mills have to do to secure the job?
2: Jeez, that that is a really good question. I think, um, I think he's just got to win enough games to ensure they, they don't have a top pick because um, you know, him being, I think he is one of the third round picks um, from yes. last year. Yeah. Uh, you're always probably going to give the nod to a first round talent rather than a third round talent. Um, And I think if they've got the temptation of having the number one or number two pick next year, I don't think they're going to be able to pass up maybe one of these young quarterbacks. So, I think it's all up to him if he's going to play well enough to to get them five or six wins or maybe seven is what it might take to you know get maybe towards that number ten pick and, and just hope that's enough that the team's not going to you know throw you in in a trade package with your first round pick to move up. Um, it, it is kind of all up to him, but at the same time, um, you know, it really is up to the team if, if they're going to kind of pass on a young quarterback um, in the first round if they do have a pick available.
0: Yeah, I feel like Bubbles and I are two dyslexics reading a book because we couldn't be more on the same page than right now. He needs to ensure that the Texans do not have a pick to kick him out of the job. I think it's as simple as that. And if if he does deliver that, let's say it's pick 11, would that probably be a pick that maybe one of the top three or four won't be on the board? If the Texans do give up him and that pick, then – He's done everything that he can, and it was outside of his control anyway. So if it is in his control, ensure the Texans don't have a pick for them to draft his replacement.
1: Yeah, I, mean, so I, I I like where you're coming from. A lot of people, a lot of knowledgeable people inside the NFL network and NFL media are actually tipping the Texans to be a 6-7 or seven win team. So um, if that happens, like you guys have said, maybe he does keep his job. I thought he looked really good last year, so... Mm. Uh, the Texans are going to be a team to watch this year purely for that reason.
0: And I had Davis Mills in my um, fantasy team with about a month to go. I think I just said Davis Mills, didn't I? Anyway, what's going on with that? That's his but name. I, yeah, that's his name. It, it, so, came, it came that's his out name. as Davis. I thought David, and then I went, no, I got it right the first time. I was just thinking. <laughs> um, I had him in my fantasy team after I had a QB carnage site so to watch him extra closely, and I liked what I saw. So. Uh, fingers crossed, the he uh, goes well. Let's go to the Colts. Bubbles, that's you.
2: Yeah, um, the Colts. The question for me, it is a bit of a harsh one. Uh, it's do the Colts feel a, a little irrelevant? And um, yeah, it kind as I you know as I say that out loud, it does sound very harsh. But you know, I've said it a hundred times, and I'll say it a hundred more. Than, in my opinion, the AFC is really loaded this year, and um. They are essentially in a two-horse race for the division between them and the Titans. I guess you could say. I don't think many people are expecting the Jaguars or the Texans, who we just spoke about, to actually contend for that division. Um, so if they're if they're better than the Titans, they'll make the playoffs, and and I think they will. I I do think they're a playoff team, and I'm not kind of saying um, they're irrelevant from that stand or that point. But it, it's more of the fact I just think they're a step below all these other teams um and you know i think if they're going to win their division they're probably going to have the the fourth best record of division winners and that means you'll play the the number 1 wild card team and i just think as i said they're a step below those teams i do like the roster and and probably any other year um you, you know you, you'd kind of give them a crack uh, um at kind of winning a couple of playoff games but you know as i said another time the afc in my opinion is just um, you know, it's just filled with that many really good teams. And I think the Colts are just a good team, um, unfortunately, for them.
0: Only 99 times to go, and then we'll figure out that the AFC is loaded. on looking forward to it. I think you're dead right. I think you're pretty much on the money, and that is the Colts are, the I think, the best team in the league <laughs> with zero expectation on them. I think we just expect them to be better than the Titans, they're going to be better than the Titans, so I think that makes them predictable. I agree with you. I think irrelevant is harsh. I I do, but I just think they're a, a good team. We think are going to be a good team that are going to be a good team. I think it's I think it's boring. I do, but geez, I'd rather be a good team everyone thinks is going to be good than a than a, than a team that no one's got any idea about. So I don't think this is. One well, this isn't Matt Ryan's not the QB that takes them to a uh, a Super Bowl. But yeah, I think
1: I, I think they're good, but not good enough. Um mm. If they do finish as that four seed, they're they're going to play either the Chiefs or Chargers, in my opinion, in the in the wild card. And how's that going to go? <laughs> so, you know, you pretty much know what you're going to get from the Colts. If they lose the division, then it's going to be carnage. I think. So watch his space.
0: We did. We lost bubbles for a second, but we've got him back. The great man is here and perfect timing. Cause we're going to move on to the Jags. Now I am firmly putting this question as hype V money. Who's under more pressure from the Jags this year, Trevor Lawrence or Christian Kirk.
1: Christian. Who Kirk. needs to deliver more. Christian Kirk is under more pressure in my opinion. Um, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be truly under pressure from the organization until year three or four. Um, I think if he underperforms again this year, it's going to be, um, because of the new system that they've put in and maybe a non-established offensive line. Whereas if Christian Kirk performs badly in his role, if he drops passes, if he, you know, if he, if he doesn't get open, if he has an underwhelming season, uh all fingers are going to be pointed to him. So I, I think Christian Kirk's under more pressure than Trevor Lawrence.
2: Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Smithy. Uh Christian Kirk obviously came over on that big deal that kind of changed the entire wide receiver market. Um, you know, to the benefit of all those wide receivers and to the detriment of all the, you know, the franchises and the owners in the league. But um I just think know, Trevor Lawrence is under pressure. He's a number one pick. Um, He's going to have to perform this year, um, but he's not under as much pressure. We all know Trevor Lawrence is going to get a year three and a year four, and and Christian Kirk is going to get a year two and three. He's not going to get kicked out if he doesn't perform, but it's just the money he's on is just uh, incredible. He's being paid as one of the top wide receivers. Um, I think he's got to perform. And they kind of go hand in hand, I guess. If Lawrence is going to perform, I think um, Christian Kirk will play a big part of that as well.
0: I think they're one of the worst teams in the league that has expectation on them. I think it's extraordinary, the Jags. But that's what happens when you've got uh, two top draft picks and, of course, Christian Kirk. So let's go to the Chiefs. How in the hell has Smithy had such a good list? This is extraordinary. It won't happen again. But take it away, mate.
1: Yeah, so after losing Tyron Matthew and Tyra Hill, the Chiefs drafted four potential starters in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. So out of those four, obviously, Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, Sky Moore, and Brian Cook, who has the most impactful rookie season and why? So I think
2: one from Smithy. I'm going to go with Sky Moore just because, um, you know, I really like... I mean, his name is—it's uh, well, what attracts me to him. It's just such a cool name, and um, you can kind of <laughs> What's
0: that got to do with his output?
2: <laughs> well, you can—you can just see, um, you know if you got a cool name, it—it it, it does help, um, in my mind at least, it does, really doesn't <laughs> doesn't translate into on-field success, but certainly, um, yeah, I'll—I'll I'll quickly move on from that, but, uh, yeah, I think, um, Sky Moore. As the um, Chiefs have gotten rid of Tyreek Hill, they've brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, he's probably going to perform pretty well, but I don't know if he's, he's your number one wide receiver. He probably comes in as number one, and Sky Moore might be your second or third target. But I think um, you know this is a passing offense. They're always going to be with Patrick Mahomes, and I think um, you know, having Sky Moore in there, highly talented player, he's going to work well with Patrick Mahomes, and I can see him having a good season.
0: I like it. I I if you had asked me this before the preseason, I would have agreed with you. But I'm gonna go with Carl LaFleur because the Chiefs in second halves of games were ranked as the I think it was the eighth worst team when it came to QB pressure. And the way that he attacked the Bears, yes, it was only the Bears. Yes, it was preseason before everyone on TikTok comments and, and has a go at me. But The maturity that he shows, he is going to bring the Chiefs something that they didn't necessarily have in big periods last year. That, to me, is more impactful than a guy who's come in and he's going to play a role that was previously held by one of the best in the position last year. I hope Sky Moore goes well. Um, I know TD's got him in our rookie watch as well, so he's got a vested interest. But uh, give me George. You don't see the name George because apparently names mean something now. And I think... He's a a no, I've got to be honest. It's not the sexiest name, George, but it's a bit <laughs> old fashioned, which I like, but three sacks in the preseason. He looks ready to go. And uh, yeah, I, I liked what he did. So I'm going to go
1: with him. Yeah, he was very good against the Bears, but I'm going to go the Duff man, Trent McDuffie. Um, I was very high on him coming out of Washington in the draft. I think him landing with the Chiefs is, the Chiefs is the perfect spot for him. Uh, he doesn't have to be the number one corner with Lejeria Sneed still on the roster. Um, and I think he's a playmaking defensive back. And they are so, uh, they're so important in the NFL these days. So I think Trent McDuffie's going to have a massive rookie season.
0: I like it. We've got our own Chiefs rookie watch now, which is good. Uh, TD is pretty high on the Raiders. So it's probably good for him that he has got them. So what have you got for us, mate?
2: Yeah, I was glad to find the Raiders in my list uh, among all the other teams I've had to speak fin, on the so fantastic far. squads you've had so far. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've been, been given a good hand tonight, but um, you know, I, I think I'm really high on this Raiders team. I um, I don't like how a lot of the conversation around the AFC West is that this is the fourth best team, and and everyone's just talking about the other three when this team was better than um, two of them last year, and and they did get better so. Um, but I'll I'll move my attention to my question, I guess, uh, it would be a good idea. But um, it is, will the offensive line be the downfall of this team? They have struggled in the past. They haven't really done anything in the offseason to improve it uh, dramatically. Um, and if there is one thing that could go wrong for this team, I think it's the offensive line.
0: Well, yeah, it definitely is their weakness and all the statistics will show you that. But you know, Burrow worked through a poor offensive line and got himself to a Super Bowl. So you've got to ask yourself, how big of a downfall is it going to be? And my answer to that question is, I still think the Raiders are a fringe playoff team. I don't think they're any higher than sixth in the seeding. So if they're the seventh team, good luck to them. But yeah, if they don't make the playoffs, I think the O-line is going to be one of the big reasons why.
1: Yeah, statistically the O-line is the big weakness. I still have concerns about their secondary in such a stacked offensive division um, considering they're going to have to come up against some homes and his wide receivers. Herbert with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and then Decker with the two receivers we spoke about. I still think they have some underrated guys who are performing very well but is that going to stand up in six division games? I'm not sure, so I'd look more at their cornerbacks and safeties.
0: Beautiful, All like it. Let's get to the charges, and that is me speaking of teams that I'm glad has come across my desk. I am um, not going down the bias or my take path, boy. So you don't have to stress about that. But what I am going to ask you is just on paper, paper only. So you don't have to talk about what you think they could do, injuries, none of that nonsense whereabouts give me your instinctual answer on where you would rank the Chargers roster on paper as eight anonymous execs were asked a couple of weeks ago, um, who were their best five rosters and the Chargers were one of three teams that ended up on at least seven lists along with the bills and along with, uh, I think it was the chiefs were the other team. I could be wrong on that, but I think the Chiefs was the other one, as well as the Chargers. And considering they didn't make playoffs last year, looks like an encouraging sign. So where's your instinctual answer? Where would you rank their roster across the league?
1: I would have them at one.
0: They have the best roster in football?
1: Yeah.
0: Bang. I don't think any of them had them as one. Well, if probably the Charges exec, if he was asked. <laughs> <laughs> You'd hope so.
1: I think they have a better offensive line than Buffalo. And I think that they have pretty much equal all over the field. They have better running back play than Buffalo. Um, I think their receivers are similar, quarterbacks similar, tight end similar, cornerbacks are similar. I think the rest is on a par and they have the advantage on the offensive line and the running back. So I'd put them one.
2: Ooh, I like it. Yeah, I um, I'd probably have them at two. I, I think I like the Bills on paper a little more, but um, yeah, I think it, it'd be really hard for for me to see them anywhere outside the top five. Uh, they're just on paper. They're they're such a great team, and um, we know football isn't played on paper. And it, last year they had a great team on paper, and they missed the playoffs. And um, I just I'm so high on Justin Herbert. Um, And I just think, you know, if we're talking about on paper and, you know, in a perfect world, I think this team probably is the second best team on paper.
0: Bang. I like it. Good question, Daz. All right, Smitty, you've got the other (laughs) LA team, the Super Bowl champs. How good has your list been? This is actually not okay at this point. What have you got for us for the Rams?
1: Alphabetical order, uh, doing me wonders, but... Barring statistical improbability, what is the Rams' biggest barrier to winning back-to-back Super Bowls?
2: Well, in my opinion, it's it's probably that division. Um, to be honest, I, I think coming out of that division, winning that division in back-to-back years is pretty tough and, Um, you know, I I don't know what to expect from the 49ers this year, but they seem to always be really good. And, um, there's question marks over their offense, but I think their defense is always going to be good. Um, I won't throw Seattle in there because they're, um, obviously going to have a bit of a down year this year. But, (laughs) but, you know, the Cardinals, they're improving. They've got Kyler Murray on a long term deal now. They will miss DeAndre Hopkins, um, for the first little portion of the season. But I think, um, you know, the only issue they would have is if maybe they went 0-6 in the division, um, I think, and missed out in a playoff spot that way or um, just didn't get that home playoff game because I think we saw last year um, they got their home playoff game against the 49ers and and they only just won that game. If they didn't win the division and say the 49ers had home field there, I think the 49ers win that game. So um, I think they really have to win that division. and, And as I said, the only way they don't is if they don't win their division games.
0: So I'm kind of tossing up between the only two barriers they've got. I believe there's only two in total. The first one is the resilient factor. And what I mean by that is once you win a Super Bowl um, or a championship in any sport, everything's perfect. So up until things don't go perfect the next year, you assume everything is perfect. So are they able to bounce back from that and what that looks like? Who knows? But in all honesty, I think their biggest barrier is... Buffalo, I think this is a team that with two minutes and eight seconds left in a Super Bowl were not in front and they got over the line. If they play the Bills, who I think are the best team in the AFC, that's the barrier. I think they're clearly the best team in the NFC and it's not particularly that close for me. That Their biggest barrier is who they play in the AFC. Their biggest barrier would be the best team in the AFC. Best team in the AFC is the Buffalo Bills.
1: Yeah, I struggled with this. I think their only real barrier is injury, and we've already seen it in the off season with Jalen Ramsey, questionable for week one with a shoulder injury. That leaves a massive hole already. Um, Caremakers is coming off an Achilles tear. Alan Robinson's coming off an injury-reeled year. So I think if they were to be hit with some injuries, that's an obvious barrier, but um, I struggled with this question for sure.
0: I like the theme of some of your questions, boys. You don't know the answers, so you're outsourcing them to us. I like it. All right, Bubbles, you've got my dolphins, so I cannot wait to either blast you or compliment you, even nothing in between, because that's what fucking dolphins fans do. Apparently, I've been around them on social media enough. So hit me. (laughs) Should Squalo Thompson start? Yes. No, I'm kidding. You (laughs) read my mind.
2: (laughs) No, Um, shut up. The (laughs) question. The question yeah. around the Dolphins is, um, is it fair to say Tua is playing for his job this season? I think that seems to be um, the consensus, I, I guess. The, the Dolphins have done a lot to try and get him talent. And um, you know, I, I guess you could say they haven't been thrilled with these first couple of seasons, and that's probably not fair on him because he hasn't been in the best situation, um, hasn't had many playmakers. The run game hasn't been able to get anything out of um, you know, maybe it is harsh to say he is playing for his um, career, at least at the Dolphins this season, but is it fair to say that?
0: Yes, straight up. And I like him. But, yeah, he absolutely is. If if the Dolphins are okay with injuries on offense and we're not generating scores, then, yeah, he's in big, big, big trouble. Now, there are pockets of fans that uh, have already traded him away in their minds and are waiting for the next QB to come in. And the Dolphins, I don't think are going to be bad enough to get one of the top QBs without trading upward. But yeah, if Tua can't get it done with this roster on offense, then he's, I don't think he's a dolphin from, from here on out, but on the flip side, I think he will be good enough. We'll either be, um, we'll be so close to the playoffs, whether we get there or not. I don't know. My instincts say, No, if I'm being a realist, but if we're less than a game out from the playoffs, I think it's a tick. But, yes, he's playing for his career.
1: Yeah, he he is playing for his career. Um, The the front office pretty much took Tyree Kill and said, this is your last chance. If you cannot succeed with arguably the most quarterback-friendly wide receiver in the NFL Uh, in terms of just his pure speed and ability to get open. If you can't produce a high-powered offense with the weapons we've given you over the last two seasons, you're not the guy for us. Um, So absolutely, he's playing for his career in Miami. Mm.
0: Yep. Tade, do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I think he is.
2: I've been a big um, advocate of that kind of ever since they – you know, went all in in free agency and got him all these weapons. I've kind of um, lived by the idea that uh, it's now or never with him and and he'll come out of this season, you know, and the Dolphins will be happy with him or the Dolphins will probably be without him.
0: Yeah. All right, let's go to the Vikings. Um, I'm kind of struggling with the Vikings a little uh, in terms of – because I know I think they're going to win the division. I know that the it's only two people that seem to think that are – Me and Colin, but I said it first. So if he's (laughs) interested, it's his fault. Um, But my question to you boys is Are we putting too much expectation on Justin Jefferson? I think the outside noise and the expectation is he needs to be the number one wide receiver in the league or he gets called overrated. Maybe this is just Daz spending too much time on social media, but. If he's not in the top one or top two, I think fans are turning on him really quickly. Are we looking at a guy, I think, who's in his third year and expecting too much of him?
1: Well, I said he'd have 2,000 receiving yards, so (laughs) I might not be qualified (laughs) to answer this question. Um, But that was me tipping him to do it because of his talent, not expecting him to do it and criticizing him if he doesn't. I think if anyone calls this guy overrated, they just don't know football, and it's Mm. as simple as that and we should not be listening to their opinion because... Get off Twitter, guys, I'm hearing you. (laughs) Yeah, because this guy is incredible. So there should not be any pressure on him performance-wise. We should just appreciate what he does.
2: Yeah, I think uh, you never really think of it like that when you um, are looking at young players like that. But uh, it is a good point. You do kind of uh, expect him to be the best wide receiver in football, and it is only his third season season. and so that is a lot of expectation to kind of throw on a, a young player like that and, and probably unfairly, but um, I've got no doubts he'll he'll um, have a great season.
0: Fantastic. All right, let's go to does, all these.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Justin Jefferson fatigued is going to be Smithy with Justin <laughs> Herbert last year. He's going to get him out of the league if he can. All right, let's go to all the new teams. Let's start with the New England Patriots and that's you, Smithy.
1: Yeah, so my question is: Does Bill Belichick's legacy as a coach save him, him save him from credit as a criticism as a GM? Uh, I've got some examples here. So they traded his first ever first round pick, which was Nikhil Harry, for a seventh. Uh, he gave Jonu Smith a four year contract worth fifty million dollars to be a backup tight end who only caught twenty eight passes last season, and he traded Shaq Mason to Tampa Bay for a fifth-round pick, even after uh, Mason had an eighty-two point five uh, 85.2 PFF rating and was ranked fifth among offensive guards coming into the coming season. There are just a few of Bill Belichick's, well, let's call them mistakes, as a GM. So uh, does his legacy overall as a coach um, save him from criticism? Yeah,
2: I think he, it does. And, um, you know, the Patriots and, and Belichick have never really been great drafters. And um, I know a lot of people want to say that, you know, Tom Brady carried Bill Belichick or, or the other way around. Um, I, I think they, they worked really well together. And, and Bill Belichick's such a great defensive minded coach that um, it just took him having, well, who, who turned out to be the greatest quarterback of all time on his team uh, with, with a good enough defense. Um, and, and it obviously worked. But, uh, drafting uh, never really has worked for them, and and you know no one really does criticize him, which I've never really thought of. um But yeah, I think you're right. Uh, his legacy kind of does save him from criticism, I guess. I'm going to give you a
0: short, sharp, and succinct answer that we know and love at Tenes and Threes. It doesn't make a difference because this is his last year as an NFL coach. What? He's retiring. 2023-24, Bill Belichick will not be coaching the New England Patriots, so let's move on.
1: <laughs> why, was that the, why was that not in the hot takes episode?
0: Well, that is here now. That, the pe- that is the people the, have heard it.
1: That is one of the spiciest takes I've ever heard.
0: Well, there you go. And when All it right. comes true, this will be replayed forever. Let's go to the Jesus. New Orleans Saints, and that's TD. What do you got for us, mate?
2: Yeah, with the Saints, um, I'm, I'm just gonna. I've got three concerns, three main concerns with the Saints. I just want to know which ones you guys would be concerned with the most. Uh, the first is uh, Jameis Winston coming off a torn ACL. Uh, he did only play these seven games last year, and you know a lot of a lot of people were surprised with his performance. But um, I, I think it was a very small sample size, and him coming off a knee injury is a bit of a concern for me. The other one is Alvin Kamara. Um, he's going to have that suspension hanging over his head the whole season. Uh, Who knows if he is going to get suspended or if it is going to be this year, but it's going to be hanging over his head and there's no guarantee he's going to be available all year. And the third one is Michael Thomas. Um, You know, he's obviously been such a great receiver in the past, but hasn't played a full season since 2019. He actually had 150 odd catches or, or just under that in that season, but obviously hasn't played much since and, and, you know, two to three years is a long time in football and and no one really knows what Michael Thomas we're going to get. So which one of those three concerns you boys the most? I think this is a pretty
0: easy one to answer. And it's Alvin Kamara because the other two are in the players hands. So if Jameis has done everything right and can get back after his injury, then it'll take care of itself. If Michael Thomas gets a good run with injury, he'll take care of himself and he's in control of what happens. Alvin Kamara has no control over what happens with the suspension. So, I think that's the biggest concern because we just don't know what's happening, neither does he, and that's got to play on a player unless you're a sociopath.
1: Yeah, my biggest concern for them is Jameis Wins' health because we all what happened to New Orleans once Jameis Wins got injured, it's sort of just all unraveled after that. So um, if he doesn't come back 100% or if his knee's not right and he misses time, I don't trust Andy Dalton to lead them to wins, so uh, it's Winston for me.
0: Mm. And T, do you want to go with Michael Thomas, just to reel off that none of us can <laughs> agree
2: on anything? No, I just want to stay as far away as Michael Thomas, as <laughs> far away from him as mm. possible, um, since he was on my fantasy team the last couple of years and just has, has really let me down, so I, I don't really want to talk about him. First oh, round
1: pick, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Still one. All oh, let's go to, I like the flex. Let's go to the Giants. Is there, is um, Brian, uh, is, B- oh, well, I don't think it was him. Let me start that again. Is Brian Dable under the least amount of pressure out of everyone associated with the NFL, coach or player? Is there anyone under less pressure this year than him?
1: Um. I don't know. There's a lot of people to be associated in the NFL. Um, sure. I, I well, think I starting
0: think... quarterbacks, coaches, and you know maybe some comeback players that have got some expectations on them.
1: I, I honestly think Bill Belichick has no pressure at all in the NFL because it, he's the greatest coach of all time, and he's going to be that. So I don't think there's any pressure on him to perform at all. So I, I'd say no.
2: Yeah, Smithy is right. It is really hard to to look at the NFL as a whole and look at who is under pressure. But um, I will say, it really doesn't feel like Dable is under that much pressure. No one really expects much out of the Giants. Um, mm. You know, he's not going to go there and turn things around in one year. And we've seen what he can do with the Bills. Um, you know, he can get offenses going. It's hard to tell if that's going to translate to the Giants given the talent they have, you'd say probably not, at least straight away. But, um, you know, I think at least for this season that there is not much pressure on Brian Dable and and that kind of is going out of the radar, I guess.
0: Mm. From one New York team to another, Smithy, you've got the Jets.
1: Yeah, so like the Chiefs, the Jets took four potential starters in the first two rounds of the draft. Uh, So out of Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson on offense and Jermaine Johnson and Sauce Gardner on defense, Will the Jets have a rookie of the year on either or both sides of the ball? Oh, that
2: is, I mean, that's, it's tricky to call, um, rookie of the year, but I I think if they are going to have one, I'd say it's source Gardner. He's just a guy that can kind of change defenses. Um, you know, once again, he's got a really good name, so that helps him as well. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> I, I just think, um, you know, with a good defensive coach in, in Robert Sala or Greg, what's his name? Someone Sala. Yeah, Robert Sala. <laughs> Robert Sala. Yeah. What's yeah. yeah. up with um, us and names tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to be coached really well. And I think out of those four, um, I like Source Gardener's chances most. I, if I was to pick a defensive rookie of the year, I wouldn't go Source Gardener. But out of the four, I probably like him the most.
0: Uh, I'm going no. I think as a group they'll make the Jets better, but I think th- there's going to be rookies that pop more, and I don't think a running back is going to win offensive rookie of the year.
1: I disagree with you. I think if a rookie is going to a rookie running back is going to win offensive rookie of the year, it is this year because every single year you pencil offensive rookie of the year in for the best quarterback of that draft class. I don't think any of the quarterbacks in this draft class are going to get major run this season. It's an anomaly year where there aren't star starting quarterbacks as rookies. So I think if Brees Hall comes in, Zach Wilson's injured. So they're going to lean on the run early in the season. If he can gain some momentum and they having a thousand yard season with, you know, six to eight touchdowns, I think that's going to be a real big candidate for offensive rookie of the year. So I say he goes really close.
0: Right, there we go. Let's go to the Eagles and that is our man Bubbles with only seven teams in total to go boys. So let's get through them.
2: Yeah, the Eagles for me were a tough one because I think there is a lot of expectation around this team and kind of coming out of a weak division. We like to call the NFC East, um, It's hard to kind of throw expectations around um, outside of teams competing for the division. But uh, the question I have is, can the Eagles improve their run game? And um, it kind of does sound silly because they had the number one rushing attack last year. But a lot of that came from Jalen Hurts and their um, running backs just kind of in some games uh, were non-existent um, or not consistent as well. And just struggled to get the ball moving. Um, and a lot of their, or majority of their rushing yards came from Jalen Hurts. I think he did lead the team in rushing, Um, and as I said, the the running attack just wasn't consistent enough. In some games, it was just unusable, and it was the reason why they lost a couple of them close games. So um, do you think this running game is going to get better, at least from the running back's perspective, not so much Jalen Hurts?
0: Um, No, I think the natural progression of the run game is going to come more from Jalen Hurts than it does the running backs, and that's no indictment on on any of them. But um, I think the running backs do play second fiddle in the run game and they've got a good spread of of guys who can run with the ball. So I think if there is an upgrade to their run game, it starts with Jalen Hurts and, and trickles down.
1: Yeah, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be the catalyst for the run game. Again, but I think it's going to be his passing. He was 6 of 6 for 80 yards and a passing touchdown in his only drive against the Jets. And I think if he can become a really reliable and accurate passer, it's going to put more pressure on opposition defenses than it has against the Eagles. And if they're preparing for the pass, I think that's going to open up lanes for the Eagles running back. So I'm going to say yes.
0: Bang. Here we go. I like it. Let's go to the Steelers. And I just want a number from you, fellas. So this one's going to be really quick. How many NFL games this season does Mitch Trubisky start for Pittsburgh?
1: I'm going to say, without knowing their bye, I'm going to say Mm. eight. Out of 17. (laughs) I think he means when their bye is. Yeah, when their bye is.
0: Yeah, but I said how many games.
1: Yeah, but I was predicting that they swap over at the bye. So I wasn't sure when the bye was. So, how many games oh, Trubisky okay. would start? But I'll say yeah. eight games.
2: Eight? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll say six. Keeping it short and, and just a number, right. I'll say six games. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. All righty. Let's get to the 49ers. Smithy's really been kissed on the freckle tonight with his list. So, what do you got, mate?
1: Yeah, well Jimmy G has a 70% win percentage as a starting quarterback in the NFL and has led the Niners to a Super Bowl and NFC title game. Uh with Trey Lance taking over and Jimmy G inevitably on the move. Will the Niners regret this decision at any stage of the season?
2: Uh I, I don't know if they'll they'll regret the decision because I think you can't really keep both of them there. Um I don't know if it's a smart thing to have them both there knowing if you've got Trey Lance starting you, you know they've got the opportunity to turn back to Garoppolo kind of like the Dolphins did with Fitzpatrick a couple of years ago um you know it's it's never good to have um you know the the worry of are they going to turn back to this guy when things get tough but um you know I don't know how successful this team's going to be and I think it's it's you know one of the one of the teams that's just up in the air the most for me is the 49ers because if Trey Lance um, in his second season, turns into to a really good um, quarterback. He doesn't have to be a great quarterback. No one's expecting Patrick Mahomes year two kind of numbers from him. Um, but if he just turns into a good quarterback, this team's going to go. But if he can't get it going, if he struggles, the team is going to struggle um, as, you know, that happens a lot with the quarterback struggling, the team will struggle. So I don't think they'll regret trading him if they do, but, um, you know, they may regret drafting Lance if it doesn't go the way they hope this year.
0: Mm, Yeah, you can't regret the decision as far as I'm concerned. They need to know. It's as simple as that. They need to know. As long as they've got a plan for if it doesn't work, then I think they'll be fine and they can live with the decision. But as far as I'm concerned, if you're a Niners fan right now, even if you are a Jimmy G fan, you gave up that much to get Trey Lance. You need to know if he's the guy or not. So do it now. And you got to live with what happens. If he's good and the team pops, beautiful. If he doesn't, then you got to have a plan B and it's got to be a good one. So you, they can't regret it. It'd be stupid to, And you're not progressing as a franchise because even if he doesn't pop, they're going to have to progress to a new quarterback anyway.
1: Yeah. I wrote this question before the preseason games and Bray Lance, I wrote about it on the raw. He pretty much bought me in with one preseason drive. Four or five, 92 yards, touchdown. He looked dynamic. I'm convinced he's the guy.
0: I like it. And Paul Bubbles has been absolutely shafted because he's got the Seahawks. Jesus.
2: Yeah, well, no one can accuse me of... uh... (laughs) Making this list or, or adjusting <laughs> the teams in this list because I certainly wouldn't have picked these teams. But um, this is a man that
0: did also pick the O line and D line in order for it, <laughs> So who's to know?
2: Now, maybe they do think I've got I've had some part of, <laughs> of uh, this sick thing that's happened to me today. But um, the Seahawks obviously traded away Russell Wilson, which I thought was was kind of a good move for them. You may as well get something while he's still worth something. They cut Bobby Wagner, and it kind of. Um, felt like they were they were going full rebuild, um, and then they kind of you know stopped there. I thought they would have traded away maybe Tyler Lockett. Um, you know they re-signed a couple of guys that I, I really didn't see them re-signing, and it feels like the front office is afraid to go full rebuild. Uh, so the question for the Seahawks is: Do you think it's better off for them to go full rebuild?
0: Yeah. Yes. Of course. Of course they should. They how much of this roster is going to be on the next Super Bowl winning team? And when we say the next Super Bowl winning team, I think you've always got to have a four to five to year window when you ask this question. So how much of the roster is going to be there? I would highly suggest, especially amongst their most talented guys on the roster now, or the nucleus of their roster now, is not going to be as many uh, as people think. So yeah, they need to go full rebuild mode and and, uh, good luck to them.
1: I disagree pretty strongly, to be honest. I think they've got, quite a few of the right pieces around, but their biggest hole is at the most important position and that's quarterback, which is obviously makes them, um, you know, not, not a viable playoff team this year, but Jamal Adams is, you know, right in his prime. DK Metcalf is right in his prime. Jordan Brooks is a breakout candidate, not even in his prime yet. They drafted two offensive linemen who are going to be in their prime in the next few years. They drafted a running back. You know, I, I think if they get one of the best quarterbacks in the next draft and they perform as a rookie, this team's going to be right back into contention. So they don't need to bottom out at all. I think their rebuild on the fly is going to work.
0: I mean, they're going to bottom out this year anyway. So maybe they're further in the rebuild than I think, but we'll wait and see. Uh, oh, it's me. Um, Tampa, jeepers. Um th- This is gonna, I I think this sounds strange. You guys can obviously correct me, but is this the most boring a Tom Brady team has been coming into a season? Because, yeah, they've had a lot of injuries, but the retirement, the unretirement, and I hope everything's okay with Tom because he's taken some time out of the game. But I feel like this is the least amount a Tom Brady team has been talked about. Leading into a season, so what do you guys think about it? Is the talk justified, not justified? Smithy's already shaking his head.
1: This is absolutely not the most boring Tom Brady team he's ever been. On. Some of those New England no, Patriots, no, no. teams... the
0: amount of boring, sorry, boring as in the media attention, not boring as in the, the squad itself.
1: Oh, okay, All right. yeah. so um, irrelevancy,
0: I, I... then maybe, maybe not boring, as if I can use a, a bubble. Uh...
1: Potentially, I I feel like not many people are talking about the Bucks, and I said this in my hot take that people just assume they're going to be good because Tom Brady come back, whereas I'm not so sure about that. So, yeah, potentially.
2: Yeah, I um I haven't really thought about it, but you aren't really hearing much out of the Bucks, and and maybe that is because Tom Brady's taken some time off, and um and you know things are happening there, but I, I just. You know, never really thought about it until now, but you are right that this team isn't getting much attention at all, at least lately. Um, And so, yeah, I think in terms of, you know, storyline and season hype, this could be one of the lowest hype seasons for Tom Brady, which is
1: odd.
0: Yeah, it's very odd. All right, Smithy, your last team, the Tennessee Titans, a bit of a punishment for your excellent list.
1: Yeah, uh, it's probably my least favourite team on this list, to be honest, but uh, what is it going to take for the Titans to give Malik Willis playing time this season besides an injury to Ryan Tannehill?
2: I I think turnovers. um, I really like this um, Titans defence. Obviously, last year they played really well and in that playoff game, they they really um, shouldn't have lost. I think their performance is going to go... Uh, lost as the years go on, how good that performance was from them. But I think the Titans organization will get extremely frustrated with Tanner Hill if if he you know can't hang onto the ball, throws a, a plenty of interceptions, um, you know fumbles the ball. I think there is only a certain amount of turnovers you can have um, if that defense is playing good and keeping them in games. If Tannehill's the reason why they're not winning those games, I think they'd be more than happy to move on. So I think um, you know turnovers are key if Malik Willis is to see the field. And, um, you know, I think based off what we've seen from Ryan Tannehill over the years, there's a good chance uh, there'll be plenty of them.
0: Two words, common sense. (laughs) (laughs) Tannehill's not their next Super Bowl winning quarterback. So let's see what the kids got. I don't think they're going to do it from week one. And technically, I don't think they should. But if it's an ugly start, then I'm a fan of, Throw the kid in the deep end and see what he's got, especially since he's got, you know, uh, Derek Henry as a pretty good chop out for the run game. So for me, common sense, I think he needs to play this season. If it's not pretty early, then post buy. Because if the Titans think that a winning season, a wild card spot, and dropping out of the first week of the playoffs is good enough, they're kidding themselves.
1: Yeah, I think Leek like Willis showed in his first preseason game that he is nowhere near ready to start an NFL game. Um, Mm. He he struggled a fair bit, and although he showed great flashes, there was a few really awesome flash plays from him. Uh, Just the fundamental things weren't quite there, so I think development is going to be the main thing. If he can rapidly develop in practice and push Ryan Tannehill in practices, I I think they'd be willing to throw him out there.
0: There we go.
1: Last question.
0: Last one. TD, you are like a right-wing activist naming things he hates about America because you're going to finish with Washington.
2: <laughs> well said, Daz. Thanks, that was good from you. Um, Thanks, yeah, we've seen, you know, Ron Rivera has been the coach of the Washington football team or the Washington commanders over the last two years. Um, and we've, seen, <laughs> we've seen two separate um, performances from their defense, obviously, uh, 2020, they were really good defense, um, you know, top five in a lot of categories. But last year they, they fell off drastically and they were actually bottom five or bottom 10 in, in a bunch of categories. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't you – know, it, was it was a big difference between the two years. And I'm just wondering which defense do you think we're more likely to see? I don't think they're going to get as good as they were in 2020. Uh, 2020, And I also don't think they're going to be as bad as they were last year. But which, um, which year do you think this defense – um, is going to play more like, I guess.
0: I do feel for the commanders a bit because they they copped the brunt of the Smitty curse. They were so good and then Smitty jumped on and then they became terrible. Um, so I do feel for them. I think they are closer to last year, but it was a, a downfall. I can imagine if I put a number to it, I would say at best maybe 14th would be a really good defensive year and worst case, I mean, they could be bottom five again. But anywhere in between wouldn't really surprise me. So, But I think they're closer to last year. I trust recent four more than semi-recent four.
1: Yeah, well, you defining uh, Washington's really good as a 7-9 and nine season in 2020 says a lot more about them than it, what, it does, what it does about me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, but agree. <laughs> I agree <laughs> that they're going to play more like last year's defense. I, I just don't see it in the back end. Um and Chase Young isn't going to be ready. I think my Panthers moved the ball quite well against Washington um in the start of the preseason game with the starters out there at least. So I, I think they're they're more likely to be a bad defense than a good defense.
0: Yeah. I think it is a translation problem because they just think defense is what separates the crowd and the field and that's not how it works. So if they get <laughs> if they get that right, that might be okay. So that's just about it. Smithy, you can sign us off in your signature style. Hour 10, hour 15, probably a bit long, but uh, an enjoyable conversation, fellas.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been a marathon. So shout out to any of you guys who listened to this episode in full, an absolutely massive effort. So Mm. uh, we appreciate you all. Uh, You'll see snippets of this on TikTok, but come back for the next episode because we are really ramping it up. We cannot wait for the NFL season. So uh, stay safe yeah the awards predictions and the uh the the vision predictions so we're really ramping it up now so come back and check in with us next week for the one of those episodes most